Well, I started my uh, profession probably the same way a lot of you did. Someone actually handed me a tape back when I was working for a company called AT&T. And they said at that time they knew I was involved in personal development. I'd listened to a lot of tapes. Uh, I was pretty caught up in that. And they said, I think you might enjoy this material. And I did. And uh, then in, I had good fortune. A lady who was investigating this industry, he's working for Division of the Washington Post. Uh, I became acquainted with her in late 1991. And in 1993, we co-authored the first book ever written on the subject of network marketing to be placed in bookstores. Uh, the book was entitled Future Choice, came out in 1993, and it was a story about life and lifestyle in the year 2003, how it would evolve through this amazing concept called network marketing. And it was during that time I met a man named Randy Gage. I don't know if any of you know of him. <laughs> I knew him when he had hair. <laughs> Wasn't his, but he had it. And we were sitting around a table at the Marriott Hotel, and I remember Randy's words to me like it was yesterday. And with almost a finger pointed, although I don't really recall if his finger was pointing, but from the body language and from the, the sentiment, the, the finger might as well have been pointing. And he said to me, you just don't get it. And uh, he was right. I didn't get it. I didn't even argue the point. I didn't even know what it was, but I knew I didn't get it. And he gave us a couple of thoughts, a couple of ideas. And through that process, I met a man named John Milton Fogg, who was a little tired at that point in his career from working with a magazine called Upline. and was looking for a replacement for the editor-in-chief position. And I took over for him. I was so honored to do that. Spent about three and a half years there working with some of the most extraordinary people in the world in our industry. And really, we kind of affectionately used to refer to our tenure there at Upline as dog years. You know, one year seven. So 25 years of experience later, I got back involved in this industry. And I thought, this is pretty good. You're interviewing people, talking about success, and watching some of these people earn incomes of 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 100, 200, 400,000 a month. And some of these people, some of them, some at those levels weren't all that bright. And I thought, wow, if they can make that kind of money, and I'm here sitting trying to decide should the paragraph end in a period, colon, semicolon, be deleted altogether. They're making this money not that bright. Maybe, maybe. I should get back involved in the industry. And so John and I had a little conversation, and that's exactly what happened. I started with the business and started building it uh, without really talking to people that I knew or doing advertising. I went into the marketplace, and I did this business belly to belly. It was the only way I knew how, and built up over a period of time a pretty nice little business. And through that, I authored a few more series of tapes and books and things of that sort, some of which I brought with me today. But that's a little bit about my background and why maybe you should pay more than usual attention uh, to what I'm going to share with you because uh, I promise you, if you'll use what I'm about to give as an outline, as an overview, uh, you can literally go from the bottom 5% to the top 5% of your company inside of five years. Now, having said that, if I'm known for anything around the world, I would like it to be this. And that is to take the complex nature of our business and figure out how to make it simple so that you can say in whatever is your mother tongue, I could do that. And if that's the concept, if you walk away from this conversation thinking, I could do that, then I've got the belief that if you can, possibly you will. Now, I say possibly because really we all know the probability of you doing it is up to you. I mean, there's only so much we can do to inspire, to educate, to inform. What you really need to do is take the words, take the concepts, take the techniques back into the market marketplace, practice, drill, and rehearse them until they become yours and create something magnificent for yourselves and for the people you care about. That's your obligation. 
Our obligation, again, is to give you that information. So with that being said, I've now taken what I believe the complexities of this industry, I've broken it down, put it into a recipe that we can easily follow, and I'd like to share that with you. All right, let's get started. This business, only about two things. I'd like you to make a little outline. Everybody know how to make an outline? Got two things. We've got the business side of the business over here. And then we've got the U, Y-O-U side of the business over here. That's all there is. We've got the, U, the, the business side of the business. We've got the U side of the business. That's all there is. So let's talk about the business side of the business first. Business side of the business also has two points. The first is what the company that you're representing is responsible for. So underneath the business part of the business, you can kind of put a little arrow down there, go what the company does. And then over here, you've got underneath that same area, you've got what your responsibility happens to be. Company's got a responsibility on the business side. You've got a responsibility on the business side. Everybody clear on that? Let's talk about what the company is responsible for doing first. Your company is going to do what your company is going to do. You understand that it is rather difficult at best to get the company to alter, shift, change, improve, uh, uh, redirect, uh, uh, create, uh, that's difficult at best. Now, if you've got connections, fantastic. But for most of us, my advice or suggestion to you would be let the company do what the company's going to do. And you say, I'm in the right place. I'm with the right people. What's my responsibility? I say, okay, great. Knowing that the company's going to do what the company's going to do, let's talk about briefly what their responsibilities are. They're going to provide the product. They're going to provide the compensation. They're going to make absolutely certain products are shipped. They're going to pay you. They're going to hopefully do some type of online genealogy or email or something of that sort keep you informed you know in other words all that corporate stuff let them do that and you go off and look at your assignment now let me give you your assignment since I think your assignment is probably where most of us should be investing a little bit more of our time your assignment is simply this and here's what I would write down you'll get it in the notes but it'd be a good good idea to keep up with me your intent here is to keep the main thing the main thing that's what your intent is. That's your job description. If I were to give you one, if you came to me, if this was actually an employer-employee relationship, which obviously it is not, however, if it was, and you said to me, what exactly will I be doing during my tenure with this company? I would say your intent here, what we're expecting you to do is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, if that is what I would suggest to you, that you keep the main thing the main thing, wouldn't it serve well for you to know what the main thing is? I think that would be good to know. Well, what is the main thing? Here's the main thing. Now, this you probably will not be able to get down as rapidly as I can get it out to you. But here comes the good news. I have it in this whole paragraph right here, word for word. And what I want you to do when you get this little paragraph right here is I want you to take this and put it on your refrigerator, keep it in your billfold or your pocket, stick it in 18-point font on the ceiling of your bedroom, whatever it takes so you can memorize, internalize, and then begin to utilize without any conscious thought these words. How many times today will your company's story be told by you, one of your associates, a tool, or an event? That's your obligation. You've got to wake up in the morning, and the very first thought out of your mind has got to be, am I going to keep the main thing the main thing today? Well, what is the main thing? How many times today is my company's story going to be told by myself, by someone on my team, by, by a tool or by an event? How many times? It's 12 noon. And you think to yourself, the business day, at least from the business perspective, the business day is come and gone by noon, half of it come and gone by noon. You've just got to be honest with yourself and say, half the business day is come and gone. Am I keeping the main thing the main thing? How many times? It's already noon. How many times has the story been told by myself, by somebody on my team, by a tool or by an event? And you've just got to be real honest. 
And some of you may want to have a little chart there that you can track your success and see how well you're doing. And if you do want to have a little chart where you can track your success, I'd put a box there and I'd make the box real small. And do you know why I would make the box real small? So nothing will fit in it but a number. In other words, some of you, if I come to you on the telephone and I say, hey, 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 it's noon. How many times has the story been told? And you say to me, well, and I say, no, see, the reason I made the box so small is the story won't fit in the box. I don't need a story. I just need a number because if you tell me the story, I can probably figure out the number. Or if you give me the number, I can probably figure out the story. I just need a number. That's why the box is so small. So just give me a number. If it's zero, it's zero. If it's one, it's one. If, you know, if it's ten, it's ten. But just give me the number. They say the number is zero. I say not a good number. You just have to be honest. At some point in time, you've got to do that reality check and say, am I keeping the main thing the main thing? It's already noon and the number is zero. Now you say, well, what about the people on my team? How do you test or check or track the people on your team? It's easy. You ask. How many times does your phone ring throughout the course of a day when someone's calling, asking a question, wanting to know what's going on? Or better, better yet, better yet, you're calling, making a couple of follow-up calls with people on your team, maybe doing some three-way calls, some follow-up calls, some strategy calls, some leadership calls. You're making those calls. And you say to them, Mary, while I've got you on the phone out of curiosity, it's 5 o'clock in the evening. Most of the business days come and gone. How many times today did the story get told? by you, by an associate on your team, by a tool or by an event. And Mary says, well, say, no, 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 Mary, the reason I made the box so small is a story won't fit. I don't need a story. I just need a number. And Mary gives you the number, which is, of course, zero. And now we can say to Mary, not a good number. We say to Mary, Mary, if you want your business to change, the first thing I would suggest is you start working on changing that Number. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to be up until about 10. What I would suggest is you call me back shortly before 10 and let me know what the new number happens to be. Mary says, well, say, no, no, no. See, it's still a small box. I can't put in a story. I just need a number. And that's really what happens on the business side of the business. That's all there is to it. Some of us are making this way more complicated than it needs to be. Let the company do what the company is going to do. If that doesn't serve you, get out. If you're comfortable in that arena, fantastic. Then go to work on making sure the story gets told by you, an associate, distributor, consultant, affiliate on your team, by a tool that you've got, videotape, audio tape, CD-ROM, pre-approach pack, something. Get the, the story told by something or an event. Have them out to your weekly briefing, get them on your conference call, three women to pre-recorded message, whatever it takes so the story gets told. You all with me on that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you start focusing on that, saying, am I going to keep the main thing the main thing? Can you take this material, come back, get the notes, print it out on the computer, stick it up in 18-point font so it's the first thing you see in the morning and the last thing you see at night? Yeah. This has been causing some challenges with young married couples. <laughs> if you're newlyweds, maybe just the refrigerator, maybe the wallet, Maybe not up there. If you've been around a little longer, probably up there is okay. But whatever it takes, keep the main thing the main thing. And you've got to ask yourself, before you tuck yourself into bed, pull that little comforter up to your chin, close your eyes, and begin to drift off into that wonderful place we call dreamland. Of course, listening to a CD by Michael Klaus so you can sleep. And as you're doing that, you're saying to yourself, 
Did I keep the main thing the main thing? And what you want to say as you drift off into dreamland is, yes, and it felt so good. And then in the morning, when you arise to meet the day, first thing you've got to ask yourself when you crawl out of bed is, how many times today? How many times today is the story going to be told by myself, by an associate, by a tool, or by an event? Because if I can learn to track that, let me give you the last half of this equation now that we've covered it. Because if I can learn how to track that, I can build a financial wall around my family nothing can get through. And that really is the intent of keeping the main thing the main thing. To build a financial wall around your family nothing can get through. To create something so solid, so magnificent, so beautifully put together and assembled that like some of the ancient cities or coliseums or uh, monuments that are still around to this day, whether you go to Egypt and you see the pyramids, or you go to Rome and you see the Colosseum, or you go down to Mexico and you see uh, uh, Machu Picchu or, or, or Peru, you know, wherever you happen to go around the world and you see some of these extraordinary places, you think, how did they survive the test of time? And the answer is they were built on the right foundation, they had the right structure, and they can survive for millennia to come. And isn't that what you're looking to do with your respective business? Now we get into a very interesting conversation. If the business side of the business is one half and the you side of the business is the other half, and if all we have to do over here is let the company do what the company is going to do, and then we focus on keeping the main thing the main thing, asking ourselves how many times today is the story going to be told by, our, by myself, by an associate, by a tool, or by an event, because if I can learn to track that, I can build a financial wall around my family nothing can get through, then what's this you part of the business all about? Well, I hope you've got a nice, clean sheet of paper as we begin this part of the conversation because let me suggest to you that throughout the balance of our dialogue today, I'm going to be giving you a couple of, uh, a couple of things that I have affectionately called, how should we say this? Yes, inoculations. Has anyone here ever been inoculated against anything? And do you have any idea what the inoculation actually contained inside that syringe? Part of the disease. Why would they put inside your body that which could otherwise harm you in the outside world? And the answer is because they're hoping the immune system catches up to it and says, see it, recognize it, kill it. And it starts to build up those antibodies. And so when it becomes a reality in your life, at some point in time, you step on that nail, you get around the wrong drinking water, something happens in your life. All of a sudden, it comes into the body. body says, I've seen this before, not part of the system, kill it. And all the white blood cells come up and just start attacking it and hopefully wipe it out. And you can survive. That's what we call an inoculation. Now, in our business, what is an inoculation? Well, an inoculation is something I'm going to be sharing with you a couple of times today that may, like the real shot, make you possibly feel a little weary, maybe a little tired, maybe a little sick to your stomach. But as the doctor will tell you, when you go in for the shot, in a couple of days, you'll be just fine. But if we don't give you the inoculation, see the consequences. The consequences could be overwhelming. If we don't give you the inoculation and you just trust yourself out into the marketplace and all of a sudden you see that and the body doesn't recognize it when it comes in and it comes in in massive force invading the body. The body doesn't see it and all of a sudden it takes over, invades and you're out of the business. Have you ever noticed people coming into your team and they're gone? They weren't inoculated properly. Something caught up with them and ate them alive, killed them off and gone. We've got to make sure that doesn't happen in our respective businesses. So let me give you the first inoculation I can possibly think of giving you when it comes to the use side of your business. The reason that we go to work on the you, Y-O-U, the you side of your business, is because 
we attract who we are. Or if you'd like to make that statement a little more personal, you could write it this way. I attract who I am. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking right now, ow, that hurt a little. <laughs> Especially if you've got about the last three, four, five, six people you're thinking in your respective organizations that you've sponsored, and you look at these people and you're thinking, are you suggesting to me the last four, five, six people I brought into the team are a reflection of who I happen to be? And I'm saying, yes. You say, not really an attractive group. <laughs> I'm sorry, but in a couple of days you'll be fine. But if we don't give you this information, it could kill you, wipe you out. We'd never see you again. You'd be off back at Dairy Queen doing Slurpees in the middle of the night trying to pay off that car you acquired through the car program. <laughs> Qualified one month. Thought the money would just keep rolling on in. Now I'm a Dairy Queen. Can't give the car back. How would I explain that to the rest of the team? Little inoculation. Now, if it's true, if you attract who you are, how do we know this? What is the evidence of this? I want to explain to you how the mind actually works. And when we get into the, the way the mind actually works, I think you'll understand why personal development is probably the most important thing we could ever engage in, uh, your own personal development plan. But when we talk about that, the use side of your business, what do we want to actually go to work on? The use side is the personal development side of your business, the personal development side. Becoming the person you want to attract is what I'm speaking about now. That's what the you side of the business is all about. How do I become the person I want to attract? Well, what areas of my business do I need to go to work on so that I can become the type of person I want to attract? Let me give you the two areas. Number one, we've got the business side that you need to go to work on. Let me give you the four quadrants we're going to be focusing on. Quadrant number one is prospecting. Prospecting said a multitude of other ways is I've got to figure out somehow, some way to find people to talk to. Fair statement? I mean, if the story's got to be told, if that's keeping the main thing the main thing, I've just got to be asking myself, well, who am I going to be telling the story to? Those are called prospects. Where am I going to get them? So developing our skill set there over time would probably become a valuable skill to possess. Agreed? Secondarily, once you find these people, we've got to be able to tell them some kind of story. Now, in the beginning, maybe the story is told by a tool, maybe it's told by our upline, maybe it's told by an event, but at some point in time, you may be the person going along with your new individual and telling that story. Duplication is number three. Duplication is, what is the process of getting someone started? How do you actually get someone started so that they have at least a chance of going out and duplicating that process. And the fourth area is leadership. Leadership. Now, this is the list, of course, according to Michael. Prospects, find them. Presentation, tell them. Duplication, get them started. Leadership, you've got to become one that people are willing to follow. You've got to be able to create an environment where people actually will be willing to work with you on your journey toward greatness or magnificence. That's what leadership is all about. Now, what about on the other side of the equation, becoming the you that you want to attract? Well, see, this is something that, oddly, we don't talk that much about in our industry. We don't talk much about how important it is to focus on things like our health, unless, of course, you're in a nutrition company. But health, I think, would be important. I mean, what good would it be to earn all of the money in the world and be too sick to spend it? I mean, have to have someone carry the credit card for you just to help you with the packages. That wouldn't be good. So we've got to make sure we maintain our health. We've got to make sure we maintain our finances. You say our finances isn't what this business is all about. No, no, no. How many of you have ever met people that earned an extraordinary amount of money but didn't really figure out how to hold on to much of it or any of it or all of it? 
I mean, they've got the house, they've got the cars, they've got all the stuff going on, then something hiccups, and the next thing you know, they don't have any of that stuff. We've got to figure out, we've got to do a better job with this. What about the spiritual side of our lives? How are you doing in that regard? How comfortable do you feel there? What about this one, recreation? You know, I've got people in this business, in fact, we've talked to some of them while we're here, that you really kind of get the impression they're all work and no. And what does that make this guy? Dull. Yes, all work and no play. You've got to know how to let go. You've got to know how to release. You've got to know how to take that word apart. Have you ever taken the word recreation apart? Take a look at it right now. Recreation, it means to be recreated. And if you are not doing something that causes you to walk back in on a Monday or a Tuesday or Wednesday feeling invigorated, new, fresh, fantastic, ready to go out and conquer the world again, you have not been recreated. You've missed the mark. You've missed the point of recreation. So how are you doing in that regard? How are we doing in this one called the social or the cultural aspects of our business? You know, I'm not really a fan of the opera, but I am a fan of the arts. And I'm telling you something, that we've just got to work on the sophistication. So as the money comes in, as we begin to grow the enterprise, grow the life, grow into something that is extraordinary and magnificent, we've got to be in a position where people don't look at us like we're clawed. You know, the guy's got money, but he eats with his elbows. I mean, you know, if there's 11 forks, figure out over time what they're for. Or just stick to Taco Bell where you can eat with your fingers. You know, you've got to know what's going on in that endeavor. And by the way, gentlemen and also ladies, I've got a very good suggestion for you I'll be making just in a few minutes. So we've got the, we've got the financial, we've got the career, we've got the, the, the spiritual side handled, we've got the recreation side handled, we've got the social, the cultural side handled. How are you doing in those arenas in your life? Or do you ever even stop to think about them? And the answer for most of us is no, we don't stop to think about any of this. We're thinking, where am I going to get the next person for my business? Where am I going to sponsor that individual? How am I going to write more, more business? That's really what the goal is. Go to more events, get more stuff out, you know, it's do, 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 do. And all of a sudden, you know, the life starts to slide. The marriage isn't working. The kids don't even know who you are. The friends are saying, oh, yeah, he got involved in one of those things. We lost him to the dark side. <laughs> Have you ever had those conversations? I mean, I wouldn't give my friends the privilege of that. Never miss an event. If it's a family event, you've just got to be there. So we've got to have that going on. Now, why is that so critically important that we focus on these areas? Because, again, take a look at your notes. What does it say? We attract who we are. I'm talking to a gentleman. There's an event coming up in the company I'm representing. The event, he calls me on a Thursday. The event is, or I'm sorry, on a Monday. The event is taking place on a Thursday. I live in Seattle. I've already made the arrangements. I'm going to be flying in on Wednesday for the event. We have this conversation on Monday. It starts on Thursday. He's in Michigan. It's in Philadelphia. I'm in Seattle, Washington. Everyone clear? And he says to me, do you think it would be a good idea for me to attend this event? And I feel so awful telling you what I'm about to tell you, but you gave me permission to tell you the truth. And this was one of the biggest shifts in my prosperity consciousness I think I ever had prior to reading Randy's five new books. That's really kind of put everything kind of went boop, right there. But I said to him, well, to answer your question, would it be beneficial for you to attend the event? The simple answer is, of course, yes. It would be extremely beneficial. The challenge is it's Monday. And the event starts on Thursday. And buying an airline ticket last minute is probably going to be very expensive. And he said to me something I'll remember the rest of my life. He said, that's okay. I don't fly commercial. I didn't know what that meant. So I did the only thing I could think to do at the time. I said to him, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he said to me, 
I don't fly commercial because I have my own plane. And I thought, oh. So in other words, if you want to come to the event, what do you do? He said, I usually drive my car to the airport. I get on the plane. I fly where I want to go. <laughs> okay. Well, then I think it'd be... I think it would be a very good idea for you to attend the event. And you know what? He went down with his car to the airport in Michigan. He got his little plane. He flew to Philadelphia. And I share this story with you because I learned something years ago. And have you ever had these experiences where you literally have learned it and then you forgot you did? And it worked so well while you were doing it. And then all of a sudden you just kind of drifted away. And the first rule is you never spend the other person's money. You don't ever do that. You never spend the other person's money. You only let them know what the truth is for them as you see it. And if the truth for them as you see it is attending the event would be in their best interest, then obviously you would make sure that they have the information so that they can make their own informed decision because we don't spend the other person's money. Now... Let's talk about this thing called the mind for just a moment and really how it works and why some of us in the room may be having some challenges in our businesses that even with this information, you walk out, you get the notes, you drop the card, you have it, I send the email, everything is fantastic, and all of a sudden, six months later, your business is just about where it was when you came. You ever had that experience? Anyone realistically ever been to an event like this, pumped up, excited, jazz beyond belief, and about a half a year later, you were just about where you Work. You ever had that experience? It happens. Well, let's explain why that actually occurs. I have a theory, and the theory is that there are really two reasons that people either do something or don't. We were talking about this the other night. This is part of the conversation you heard a lot of people say. The first one is skills, and the second one is fear. Now, here's what I mean by skills and fear. I believe that if we had this scale with this is the highest mathematical probability that a new person will do something. And over here, this would be the lowest mathematical probability that they would do something. Lowest mathematical probability doesn't mean they won't do it, does it? No, it doesn't mean they won't do it. It just means this is the lowest probability of them doing that. That's like walking in, if you're a single person, walking into the bar, walking up to a good-looking lady, if you happen to be mean, saying, hey, baby, what's your sign? <laughs> See, low probability of working. Low probability. Agreed? Low probability. I mean, even me, low probability. But apparently we have that goofy little phrase because it's worked for someone. But low probability. But the lowest probability is I don't have any skills and I am petrified to even do anything if I did. Lowest probability. Highest probability would be I know exactly what to do and I'm not afraid to do it. You follow what I'm saying? So that's kind of the scale, and you would need to kind of put that as a scale, maybe a 1 to 10, which would be a 1 would be, I just, you know, I don't know what to do, and I'm really afraid, even if I did that, to go talk to somebody. And a 10 would be, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm just so comfortable around people, I could talk to anyone anywhere about anything. And you kind of draw this scale out, and you think, where would I be on it? Where would you be on it? Where would the people you're sponsoring be on this scale? And that's all I'm talking about is probability to take action. Make sense? I'm talking about probability to take action. Now, having said that, we can go to work on these. We can go to work on the skill set. We can go to work on prospecting, presentation, duplication, and leadership. We can get the books. We can get the tapes. We can take the classes. We can do all of those things to start working on the skills. But what do we do if we know everything there is to know about this business, 
but we're still too afraid to walk out there and actually talk to someone. What happens then to our organization? It just stays flat, or worse, it goes down. And have you ever had, or do you currently have, or is it possibly you, people in your business that fall into that arena? That maybe they know what to do, but they're just afraid to do it. Or they aren't really afraid to do it, they don't know what they're doing. And wouldn't it be nice if we could kind of marry these together and we could actually teach someone, this is exactly what you do, and here's how you overcome any fear or trepidation you might have to get out into the marketplace and do it so that you can have success more quickly than not. Do you think that might be a benefit to know how to do that? So, here's what we're going to talk about. Why do we do what we do? I'm going to give you a very brief lesson in the way I see the mind working. I'd like you to draw this little picture so you have it because I think it's infinitely powerful. Oh, but before we do, let me show you this so you've got the, a good visual. Just, just keep your eyes focused on me for a moment and without even blinking, I want you to picture in your mind's eye your car and raise your hand as soon as it's there. Okay, that was pretty quick. Now, I want you, if you've got your mind's eye on that car, if you have not done so already, again, without closing your eyes, I want you to picture the color of that car, and as soon as you do, put your hand up in the air. Okay, beautiful. That's pretty fast. All right, I want you now, same, same, and I'm looking for the speed here, so as soon as you've got it, I want the hand to go in the air. I want you to put yourself in your kitchen so you can see your kitchen, wherever you happen to live. Okay, that's pretty fast. Okay, I want you to put yourself in your kitchen where you can see the color of your refrigerator. Okay, that's pretty fast. Okay, now I want you to see your mind. We don't have anybody over here. We've got one guy. Do you have the picture of that brain from Frankenstein in the jar, in the black and white that says Abby Normal on it? Is that what you have right now pictured, the brain, the mind? How many of you have that in your mind right now? Of course you do, because I put it there. See, here's what we need to understand about the mind. We don't think in words. We think in pictures. And most of us, when we tell stories, we don't tell stories in the form of pictures. We tell stories in the form of words, and we can't figure out why we have a difficult time communicating. To the degree that you can tell a story that's in picture form that people can see is to the degree they'll remember it. So let me give you a little drawing here that will help you remember the mind that I call the stick man. It's pretty easy. The reason I chose the stick man is because I can draw it. Please, don't come to me at the break if you've read books on the mind and say to me, that wasn't really drawn to scale. Because I know this already. I want you to put a little dotted line where the neck and the head would come together and a little arrow coming down like that, and I want you to write the word body. Therefore, from here down is the body. Therefore, from here up would be what? The mind, not the brain. The mind. My story, my words. The mind. Now we're going to take this and divide it in half about where the ears would be. And at the top of this, we're going to put the conscious mind. Now, again, that's not where it actually is. I know this. But for purposes of our conversation, that's what we're going to say. The conscious mind is there. Now, if the conscious mind is from the ears up and the body is from the neck down, where would the subconscious mind be? Sub means below. 
Subfreezing is below freezing. Subfloor is below the floor. Subconscious is below the conscious mind. So we've got the subconscious mind here. Again, yes, I know it isn't your tongue. But for purposes of the visual in your mind, now when someone says, see the color of your car, you got it. See the color of your refrigerator, you got it. See the mind, you'll picture this little stick man in your head. You'll just bounce there and you go body here down, conscious mind here up, subconscious mind from here to here. I got it. So everybody got a good visual in your mind like that? Pretty simple. So we don't have to deal with craniums and all the other things that are there. Just that's, you got that down. Now, let me explain what's been happening to you since the day you were put on this planet. You've been taking in information, taking in knowledge. We, we call that in the Thinking Your Way to Success CDs, I actually refer to that as philosophy. Your philosophy, as I explain on that CD package, is everything you know and how that information affects you. And let me explain what the differences are because this is very important to understand. When I say everything you know and how that information affects you, is it possible that we could have both watched President Bush from here in the United States declare war on Iraq on CNN at the same moment in time and come away with completely different opinions as to whether or not that was a good idea? Is that possible? Okay, now see, that's very important for us to know. Some of you might have been watching that and said, it's about time. Others might have been watching that and just been enraged and said, this man is insane. And other people would have said, he still looks funny and just flipped the channel. <laughs> I'm just saying you might have. I don't know what's going on in your head. I'm just saying you might have done one of those things. So how is it possible that the same information is coming to all of us and yet our reaction to it is different? It's because you process information in your head always in a, is this like or dislike, do I agree with, do I not agree with, uh, is this something I find reasonable, not reasonable. You're constantly processing information in your head. In fact, let me give you some of the functions of the conscious mind, which many of you probably know, although up until this moment in time, you might not have spent a lot of, th of time thinking about them. Your conscious mind is responsible for all again of the information that comes in through all of the senses, hits the conscious mind, and you're, you're aware of the ability to think, reason, ponder, argue, uh, uh, debate, question. You know, a lot of the instant emotions are there. That's what is happening on the conscious level in your mind. And so when you see President Bush on the television set, or when you see a new announcement from your company, or when you watch someone walk on stage getting an award, you're going to process that information based on all the other information that has come into your head so far. Does that make sense? And based upon all the information that's come into your mind so far, you will reach your decision or your conclusion. We form conclusions and opinions like that. And we form them based on all the information that has come into our mind up until that point. Does that make sense? So that is our philosophy. Everything that comes into the conscious mind is there to think, to ponder, to reason, to wonder, to question, to doubt. That's the function of the conscious mind. However, and this is critical, please hear me on this point. Once you have accepted something as undeniable truth, to you. Yes, I believe that. You pass that information down and store it in this amazing part of your body called the subconscious mind. Now, here comes an interesting couple of things you may want to note about the subconscious mind. 
The subconscious mind does not question, doubt, argue, debate, wonder. The subconscious mind just does. And that's the point that most of us either haven't learned yet, or if it has been taught to us, we have missed it. It just does. Now, let me give you, though, a word picture so all of this makes a little bit more sense to you. Okay? All right. The conscious mind we're going to call the captain of a large ship. And for purposes of some of your lives, we're going to refer to this ship as the Titanic. And the captain of the ship does what? What is the responsibility of the captain on the ship? Tell the crew what to do. So who do you think the crew would be? The crew of this ship would be the subconscious mind. Full speed ahead, six degrees to port. Aye, aye, captain. Now, what if the captain made an error in judgment in saying full speed ahead, six degrees to port? You think anyone down in the engine room is saying, hey, 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 wait a minute. I mean, why do we need to get there so fast? It's going to burn way more fuel. And besides, where's six degrees going to put us? Who's got a map? Is that, do you think, what's going on on a well-oiled machine with a great captain and a, a well-appointed uh, crew? What do you think? Never. No, never. Exactly. In fact, if you challenge the captain, what happens to you? Yeah, sometimes they just toss you off the ship. <laughs> they used to. I mean, now they probably put you in a room, take you back, and put you someplace else in a smaller room. But usually it's not a good thing. So it's... Aye, aye, Captain. Now, of course, you probably can figure out what the ship is in this analogy, correct? The ship would be the body. So here's what's happening in your life. Every time something comes into your mind, like the captain of your own vessel, you make a decision as to what direction you want to go. And whether you're aware of it or not, once you've accepted that information as fact, you pass that information down to the subconscious area and you basically give that set of instructions to where the response comes back, aye, aye, captain. And then you really go off and the body takes over and manifests that with the help of everything else it finds or needs to, to accomplish this to create that reality for yourself. That's why if you had a conversation with Mr. Gage or if you've had a conversation with me and probably with some of the other people and you've walked up and said, may I speak with you for a moment? The answer for me is always, of course. And you say, now, I have a problem and, and the first thing I'll do is the hand almost goes up. Let's not reaffirm that. Let's not even affirm that. You know, when you start a conversation is I have a problem and this is it. Who are you? The captain. What did you just give to the subconscious mind? A command. What is the command? I want this problem. And not only do you want this problem, you've defined it rather well. I have this problem. It seems that when I sign people up, they all quit. And the subconscious mind goes, okay. So you go out and you start signing all these people up. And then these people all quit. And you go, I don't understand why these people quit. But all I know is every time I sign them up, they quit. Okay. And so you go back and you sign up some more people, and all of a sudden these more people, well, what do they do? Quit. And you're so frustrated by this endless circle that now you say, I really don't think this business is for me. Okay. If you don't want the business to be for you, we'll just make all this stuff happen around you. Spouse gets mad at you. Kids don't like you. Next door neighbor thinks you're insane. Somebody else does something to you. And you just, you're creating your own reality. 
You are creating your reality by everything that comes into your head. But more importantly, you're creating your reality by how you process what comes into your head. For example, I have heard since the time I was probably about this small, a commercial on television that I wasn't bright enough when I was a small child to know how to turn off, as Randy calls it, the data sphere. I didn't understand how to do that. And so being in the room with the television on, I heard the commercial, heard the commercial, heard the commercial, heard the commercial. And the commercial, how many of you can finish this that are about my age and might remember? Winston tastes good. Now, for those of you that might not have heard that in the back, or maybe you were saying it too, it's Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Here's what's interesting. That has been banned by the United States government, pulled from circulation, and hasn't been shown anywhere, anywhere in 27 years. How long did that take to come back to the forefront of your consciousness? Like that. Why? Because, and here's a word you want to write down. This is absolutely critical. The reason that came back so fast is because of these four letters. T-O-M-A. Top of mind awareness. If I say to you, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Quarter of a century hasn't been on television. So, Toma, T-O-M-A, top of mind awareness. I say headache, you say aspirin. I say pain reliever, you say... Now, did you hear the difference? Why is it that when I said headache, you said aspirin, but when I said pain reliever, you said Tylenol? Because the advertisers have played a little trick on your mind with Toma, and you've associated in your brain that if I have pain and want to relieve it, I get Tylenol. And if I have a headache and want to get rid of it, I get an aspirin. And the more impressions that you have on your brain, the more likely they know it is for you when you're walking down the supermarket aisle way and you think, oh, I've got to get some more pain reliever. I reach automatically without even any conscious thought for... Okay, so you've just got to think of it like kick marks. Every time you hear it, impression. 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 You getting the idea? Why does a child that grows up in a family that speaks multiple languages grow up speaking multiple languages? Toma. What do you call a person who speaks four languages? Quadlingual. What do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call a person who speaks two languages? What do you call a person who speaks one language? American. Yes. All comes back to Toma. 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 I told some of my friends, I said, I have some friends of mine back in the States that just adopted a child from France. They're very excited. They were not able to have children. And they got the little girl when she was about nine months old. And they're taking French lessons now. And I said to them, why are you taking French? And they looked at me like I was just an idiot. And they said, so we'll be able to speak to her? <laughs> now... Logically, logically, doesn't that make sense? Logically? And the answer is yes. If you're born in France, you'll probably speak French. But not if we remove you from that environment at nine months of age and move you to Dallas, Texas. You'll grow up saying, howdy. Right? 
Toma, why do you think there is no accent in Washington State? Why do you think there is an accent very distinguishable in Boston, in Chicago, in New Orleans, in South Carolina? Why do you think Toma? Now, here comes the question. If this is true, and it is, what's influencing you? Let me give you something that will not be in the notes that is arguably the most impactful and profound piece of information you will get. This is another one of those inoculations, and it simply goes like this. The reason you come to an event is for the spark. That is it. The reason you come to an event like this is for the spark. The spark that will ignite the fire. It isn't for the fire. It isn't for where to get the wood. It isn't for how to keep it burning. It's for the spark. There is nothing that is going to be said here that will benefit you long term without you taking this home and implementing it into your business and your life. There is another way of looking at this that you might have heard called spaced repetition. Spaced repetition says, when I'm a little boy watching television and the commercial came on, I did not say, oh, cigarette ad, focus. Where's the pen and paper? Take notes. Practice, study, practice, study, practice, study, practice, study. Give me this again. Give me this again. It's, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me. It's uh, Winston, yeah, tasting uh, good. Like a, like a, like a, like a, yeah, yeah, so, I know this one. Cigarette, should. Yeah, 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 that's it. Did I get it? Did I get it? Who did that with any of this stuff? So how come when the survey came out and they surveyed men, ladies, sorry, they didn't survey you. I'm just telling you what the survey said. 40 years of age, they surveyed men in America. The average man in America knew over 4,000 songs word for word without ever having seen the lyrics once. How is that possible? We're smart. No. <laughs> how is that possible? How is it possible you can have in your mind 4,000 songs without ever seeing the words? Toma. Spaced repetition. You hear it, you hear it again. You hear it, you hear it again. You hear it, you hear it again. You get out of the car before it's over. It doesn't matter. Your brain is so brilliant it remembers where you left off. You hear the other part of it? It gets bits and pieces, bits and pieces, bits and pieces, bits and pieces. Five years go by. Ten years go by. I pick up my mother. She's about 70 years of age. This is when David Lee Roth had that new hit on called Gigolo. Do you remember the song? Just a gigolo and everywhere I go. Remember that song? I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but you remember the song. Gigolo by David Lee Roth. I pick up my mom who's visited this very prim, proper lady, and she's in the back of the car, and we're taking her up to our home. And my mom, I got the radio on a little bit, and David Lee Roth is singing Gigolo. And here is my mom, 70 years of age, in the back of my car singing, I'm just a gigolo, and everywhere I go. I'm thinking, I turn around, you know this song? Because I'm a little shocked. And she said to me, oh, you kids think you have everything new. This was popular in the 40s. And I thought, the 40s? So I turned it up. We both had a pretty good time singing the rest of the song, and that was over. I said, how many times do you think you've heard that song since it was popular? She said, well, I've never heard him sing it, and I don't remember hearing it for I don't know, 
30 years. But there it was. If I got the radio out here and I said, what are the first words from the Beatles song, Let It Be? Who would know first? When you find yourself in times of trouble. But you know what? If I didn't say a word, but I brought the little boombox out, set it right there. And I put in a little tape and I said, when you know the words, just start singing along. All of a sudden, before the first note out of the first speaker's mouth was ready, what would have just magically appeared back in your entire mind? The words. And you'd be ready to sing every single word if you've ever heard it multiple times. You with me on that? Toma, spaced repetition. You want your business to work? Do you really want it to grow? You want this thing to be something that you're so proud of, you can build such a magnificent empire, people will look back in awe and wonder at what you were able to accomplish. Then you've got to take the spark from this event and the tools and use the tools for the repetition to implant the thoughts and theories into your mind to where you don't have to think consciously about them. That is the secret in a nutshell. Now, having said that, and having given you a sufficient, sufficient amount of information on this subject, and having explained how the mind actually processes information, and by the way, let me finish that for you. The mind actually takes the philosophy, which is everything you know and how you hold it, and that's what you process in your head. That's what you think about. And what you think about, the thinking process, becomes what you do, your activity. And your activity, what you do, produces the results that you get. And the results that you get create the lifestyle that you have. So if you want to know how you go from a thought to a thing, it's information comes in my mind, I make a decision about the information, I think about it, I act upon what I've heard, the actions produce a result, and the results produce a lifestyle. Here's what some of you may not recognize. Every one of you today currently has a lifestyle. You may not like the lifestyle, but you have the lifestyle. Because lifestyle is a photograph. It is a snapshot in time. It's if you opened up your bank balance right now, and I just took my little digital camera and went, click, photograph in time. If I went into your wardrobe closet and went, click, snapshot in time. If we walked around the property or the apartment or the little room, snapshot in time. If we went out and sat in your car, click, snapshot in time. That's your lifestyle today. What most people are trying for is some elusive thing somewhere out there over the rainbow where dreams really do come true. The problem is they don't really understand this. And so here's what they're doing in their own little dream world. Let me give you one that summarizes all of this and then I will give you the recipe. They got into a taxi cab in New York City. And they got in the taxi cab because they thought, this is a fantastic place. I'd like to come to the city. Take a look around. And so the very first words out of the taxi cab driver's mouth would be something along the lines of, where do you want to go? And uh, once you... <laughs> once, once you understood what they were saying, you said to them, you know, 
we would like to go to the Empire State Building first. And so the taxi cab driver pulled away. Until you were with your partner and you turned to them and said, what are we doing? This is pretty silly. We've got all of our bags and things. We should go to the hotel. And so you say to the taxi cab driver, sir, on second thought, instead of to the Empire State Building, take us to our hotel. We'd like to deposit our bags. And he says, very good. And so the car turns around and you start heading off in a different direction. And all of a sudden you go there and your partner looks at you and says, well, listen, you know, I know we've got the bags. We've got the t taxi. We want to see the Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty and these other things. But I don't know about you. The food they gave us on the plane was not very good. I'm a little hungry. I think there's this place called Little Italy here. We should go to Little Italy, just pay the man to be outside, hold on to our bags, have a little bit of lunch, and then go off to the hotel. That would make infinitely more sense than going there first. So you say to him, you tap him on the shoulder, excuse me, sir, we would like to go to Little Italy. And then a couple of minutes later, you think, well, that's probably not good. Maybe we should drop the bags off because we don't know who this guy is. Maybe he would keep the bags. And you go right back to that. And the kiss conversation continues about four, five, six, seven different directions in a very short period of time. What do you think might occur with the taxi cab driver in New York City? What do you think they might say to you? Get out. Or, 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 if possible, if possible, they might turn around and say, I'm pulling over until you make up your own mind. And you know what a lot of you are doing? You're like that little duck, you know, on the top of the water, smooth, on a bottom water, paddle, 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 paddle. You're moving, 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 moving. The problem is nothing's going on. Because you don't know, do I go to the Empire State Building today? Do I go to the hotel today? Do I go to the Italy, Little Italy today? Do I go see Ground Zero today? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you're like going like this little pinball machine. Bing! Oh, I think over here. Bing! Oh, maybe they will go over here to Bing! Oh, this sounds like a pretty good idea. Bing! Oh, maybe two prospects. Oh, Bing! Oh, these guys are doing internet leads. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Let's go over here. Bing! Oh, that didn't work very well. Okay, let's go over here. Little ladder. Oh, Bing! Oh, that didn't work very well. I know it. We'll go to a coffee shop and boy, Bing! That didn't work very well. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're just tired. And then some goofball in your upline calls you up and says, how many times did you tell the story? <laughs> You're thinking, well, and they go, I don't have room for a story. Just give me a number. You're thinking, uh, uh, uh. maybe this business isn't for me. Okay. And is it any wonder why we have the challenges going on that we have even in this room? Is it any wonder? Is there a solution to this? Yes, I would not have brought you this far without giving you a solution. That would be rather insane. It would be insane. However, I had to give you this much information so that you could recognize exactly what you need to do. Let me tell you exactly what you need to do. Here's the recipe. This recipe, I promise you, is going to sound so extraordinarily simple, some of you won't do it. That's another inoculation. This will sound so simple, some of you will go, that sounds too easy. That sounds too simple. That couldn't possibly work. And that would be a massive error in judgment on your part. Because here's what we know. Everything you know and how that information affects you causes you to think. Everything you think about causes you to act. Everything you act upon causes you to get a result. And every result you get produces a current lifestyle. Snapshot in time. Photograph. Boom. Right now. Want to change the photograph? Go back to the philosophy and watch everything start working and moving into the magnificence that you actually want for yourself. How do you do it? Here's the three-step formula. Step number one. You have got to go to work on your own personal development. And we do that by reading for 30 minutes every day. Every day, every day, 
Now, you're going to read in two areas. You're going to read inside the skill sets of your company or your product or your service or your organization. The skill set, I'll talk about that in a moment. You're also going to read on the skill set of you. Let's talk about the skill set of your business for a moment. What would you be reading? I think it would be well within your uh, uh, desire to read the book, The Fifth Principle. And by the way, I didn't make it small because I didn't have a lot to say. I made it small because we tend to overcomplicate this business. That's all we have to do. Five little points. Get connected. Learn the product. Learn how you get paid. Figure out how to do it. Go do it. Get better at the game. That's it. You give that to somebody, they go, I could do that, and they probably will. Because now they've got the skills, the fear starts to go away. Why does the fear go away? Because they think, I could do that. You say to the man, go up and ask the beautiful woman if she'd like a date. And the man is just shuddering, can't believe he can do that. Couldn't do it, doesn't do it. She misses, goes on, and there she sits at home alone on a Friday night. Do you know why she's at home alone on a Friday night? Because no one asked her because everyone thought someone else did. And I'm telling you, you can meet some extraordinary people if you just kind of break through that mold, but you've got to create an environment where people think, I know how to do that, and I think I can. And that's what we've got to do. So go to work on the reading. Go to work on the skill side. Learn how to prospect. Learn how to present. Learn how to duplicate, and learn how to lead. Leadership is an interesting endeavor in this environment. You really can't you know, make people be here. Leadership is the ability to get somebody to do something they wouldn't have done if you hadn't been there. So if I can inspire you a little, if I can cajole you a little, if I can shake you just a little, if I can get you to go home and do something you wouldn't have done if I hadn't been here, that's leadership. But if we got you to get here somehow, some way because of that, that's leadership. The ability to get somebody to do something they wouldn't have done if you hadn't been there. So you've got to master those skills. You've got those done. Now the other side of the thing you need to read on are the you parts of the skills. You've got to read the books on finances. Go get The Richest Man in Babylon. Go get Nine Steps to Financial Freedom. Go get The Millionaire Mind. Go get The Millionaire Next Door. Go get Ordinary People, Extraordinary Wealth, The, richest, the, the Wealthy Barterer. You know, go pick some of these books up and start reading them. I mean, that's a half a dozen. It would be a good start. And I would just say, read one, get another, read one, get another, read one, get another, and keep that process up until your financial house is in order. But you've got to also work on the cultural side. You've got to work on the spiritual side. You've got to work on the health side. People have all these ideologies about health, and I think some of these people are mad. You read one book, you think, this guy makes a lot of sense. And then you read another book, and you think, that can't be. They're conflicting. The ideas are conflicting. When you understand after you've read, I think I've read about 85 or 90 books on nutrition, there are only four things you need to be healthy. Four. Number one, the food that goes in your mouth is important. Number two, the nutritional supplements are, incred are incredibly important. Number three, the amount of physical activity. Physical, physical. Weight-bearing exercise. Not let's go for a little walk. Weight-bearing exercise, weight-bearing exercise, weight-bearing exercise. And number four, which we never hardly hear anyone ever talk about, is rest. You've got to build the body up. You've got to tear it down first. But when you tear it down, give it time to build itself back up. Those are the only four things. How do you come up with a quotient so small? You read all of the books and then you make up your own mind. And that's what I've done. Anyway, I digress. So back to my story. So we got to get back to the books, read the books, get the skill set, prospecting, presentation, duplication, leadership. Go to work on the money side, the cultural side, the spiritual side. Go to work on the financial side. Get that stuff handled. One book I would recommend that you get, gentlemen, is a book entitled simply How to Be a Gentleman. Now, why would I want you to acquire that book? Well, if the title doesn't help, you really need to get that book. But there's a reason. And ladies, by the way, let me also suggest to you very strongly that you need to get that book too. Now, let me explain why the ladies need to get the book. Because most women that have not read a book like that don't really know what our responsibilities are. You see, when you sit people at a table, you never sit husband and wives together. 
not if you're cultured, because they tell the same stories. And if you sit them together, the stories sound like this. We were over in Norway. No, it wasn't Norway. It was Denmark. Denmark? I don't think it was Denmark. I think it was Denmark. And then they go into their other language. I think it was Norway. Are you going to tell the story? I'm not going to tell the story. That goes on. So if you just separate them, they can tell the story about Denmark. They can tell the story about Norway. Everyone is entertained and you don't have this. That's why you know these things, but you don't read the book. You don't know that. So... But when you're sitting them at the table, it's always gentleman, lady, gentleman, lady, gentleman, lady, gentleman, lady, gentleman, lady. Now, you see, during the conversation, you've been noticing I've been focusing a particular amount of my time with the lady to my right. And you're thinking to yourself, Michael doesn't like me because you're the lady sitting to my left. You think he's kind of ignoring me. He's not really talked to me all night. Maybe he likes the other girl. Although she's not as pretty as I am, I don't really know what's going on there, but he doesn't seem to be talking to me, he's talking to her. And look at that, she just got up again, he helped her with his chair, and like, nothing, I got nothing. He's just almost like I'm not even here. See, if you didn't read that book, you would think that maybe something was going on. If you read the book, you'd know, I'm not responsible for you. The clod over here is. He's responsible for you. I'm only responsible for this person over here. If you have a problem, take it up with him. But if you don't read the book, you wouldn't know that. So that would be a good book, How to Be a Gentleman. Ladies should read it, men should read it. Then you know it's responsible. And then all of a sudden you see me help with the chair. You can go to the guy next to him, whack him, say, pay attention. <laughs> so that's going on. So that would be good, reading 30 minutes every day. Now, people ask me all the time, they say, what exactly do you mean by every day? <laughs> well, so you can pretty much draw your own conclusions. And then if you come to me and say, I don't really want to read on Sunday. Okay. It still means all of them. I mean, every day means still all of them. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you want to do three of the four, do three of the four. But don't expect to get the results of the four if you only do three. But anyway, every day means all of them. So number one, you've got to read 30 minutes every day. Not only on the skill side of your business, you've got to read on the life side because the life side is going to allow you to, be, to attract into your life the person that you currently are. Okay, step number two is you've got to be listening for 30 minutes every day, listening for 30 minutes every day. You've got to get a great audio cassette tape, and I did not say those words inaccurately, or a great CD-ROM. Some of you come out to some of the tables and you go, oh, I see you have this on CD. Do you have uh, this on tape as well? Well, no, we have some of this on tape and we have some of this on CD. Oh, well, I only have a CD player. Oh, I only have an audio t cassette tape player. And, and, and you, know, you, don't, you walk away. Let me suggest to you something. Huge error in judgment. You need to go to Best Buy or Circuit City and pay 40 or $50 and get a little boom box that will play both audio cassette tapes and CD-ROMs so that whatever you can find, you can use. And I'll tell you exactly what I do in my life. This may work for you. It may not work for you, but it works extraordinarily well for me. I went and got one of these very nice little players, and I put it on top of the tank of the toilet in the washroom. It's not really attractive, ladies. I'll just tell you that straight up. It happens, though, to be there. And when my wife and I moved from our home, which was pretty nice, to the home we live in now, which is a little nicer, uh, about three years ago, we brought a new one because they changed technology. I got the little flat JVC, beautiful, does the CDs, does the radio, which I don't really listen to, and does the cassette tapes. And I brought that in. I set it on top of the tank of the toilet in the new washroom. And she said, is that thing really going to be in the new home too? <laughs> I said, well, I think we need to go for a little walk, dear. So I walked around the property. And uh, when we got back, after having shown her the house and shown her the grounds and showed her the cars and showed her the bank account and showed her all of the things and reminded her that, that was probably because the thing was sitting on the tank of the toilet, she said it could stay. So it's still pretty much there. The reason I did that is because I'm kind of an efficiency nut, and I found out that every morning I had the same routine. 
I got up and I took a shower and I shaved and I brushed my teeth. Any of you do that here? Beautiful. How much time do you think you spend doing that in the washroom? Half hour to an hour is probably average. So if you're spending a half an hour to an hour every single day getting ready for the day, where is your mind while you're doing that? Where is it? Everywhere, exactly. You're the shopping list and what you've got to do and who you're going to call and what's going on and what happened last night. And Do you think he really meant that when he said that? I don't really know if he meant that. I think he did. I'm not really sure. This is all going on in your head. It's that internal dialogue that takes place at about 25,000 words an hour all day long, which means you actually talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to you all day long inside your head. While that's going on in your head, guess what's going on in mine? The information flowing over me from Randy Gage, from Tom Schreider, from, from uh, Bob Proctor, from Jim Rohn, from Michael Klaus got some pretty good stuff. Sometimes you come into my washroom and listening to me. I like myself, 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 I like myself. I like myself. It's true. It's, yeah, I really do like myself. And that's because I say it about my Toma. I've said that probably 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 times. I really do. I put that in a little CD. Because some of you, some of you, some of you don't like yourself all that much. And what we need to have is we need to have 10,000 impressions put into your brain every day that says, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. So I just record it for you so you can get a little CD. It comes to the package and it says, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. <laughs> There's some other things in there too. But it reinforces the fact that self-esteem now begins to raise because you do like yourself. And the more self-esteem goes up, the more you're willing to learn, the more you're willing to learn, the more you're willing to do, the more you're willing to do, the more everything takes off. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So 30 minutes every day, I do mine in the washroom. You can do yours in the car. You can do yours wherever you would be. But I say this, miss a meal, miss a meal, but don't miss listening to your material. That is the number one thing you've got to focus on is the 30 minutes every day. And in addition to the 30 minutes spent listening, in addition to the 30 minutes spent reading every day, and again, the listening is the same. You listen on the skill side of the business, prospecting, presentation, duplication, leadership. You listen on those until you have the skills down. And then you also listen to the social, financial, religious, you know, spiritual, cultural. You get all that stuff going on on the other side. So, for example, if right now you don't have a lot of energy, you don't have a lot of uh, your passion, you know, you just kind of then you need to go get something that's going to kind of charge you up, turn you on, get you moving in the morning. And one of the best suggestions I could make for you would be get something from Les Brown. You know, or maybe get something from Jerry Clark. I mean, those two guys get you fired up in the morning. I mean, I'm telling you something. The shower will be shorter. You'll be moving faster. You'll be getting ready, and you'll be charging ready for the day. And no matter whether you're consciously listening or your mind is still somewhere else, Toma, 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 Toma. And eventually, someone will come up to you, and they'll say, what do you do? And you'll know. You'll just know. Because it was put in so many times, the information is just there. So 30 minutes every day reading, 30 minutes every day listening. Now, the last part of this, the last part, is we have got to attend the classes. We have got to attend four classes every year. Four classes. This is one of them. So you've got three more to go in the next 12 months. Three more. Now, I personally believe two of those should be from inside your own company. And I also believe that two of them should be from outside your own company. And four would be at a minimum. So if your company has, for example, a major event every quarter, you certainly would want to attend all of those. But in addition to that, you also need to get outside your respective business because of the unique ideas that you pick up at events like this that you may not pick up someplace else. 
If Tony Robbins comes to town, go. If Brian Tracy is there, go. If Kiyosaki is coming, get front row center seats. Make sure that these people that are out there, that it can impact you. Susie Orman comes, wants to talk about money and finances and wealth. Go, go, go. It's not going to be that everything she's going to say is going to make an impact, but maybe it's the spark. It's the one thing where you walk out saying, I could do that. And it starts to shift everything in your mind and in your life. And you begin to create something incredible. And the bank account begins to grow and flourish. And that leads you to another book, another class, another set of tapes. And all of a sudden, over time, over time, you start raising from the, the quagmire of mediocrity off into the majestic views of greatness because of what's going on. That's what we're talking about. And that's what happens when you read it. That's what happens when you listen. And that's what happens when you attend the classes. So how you doing? Let's take a little test and see, shall we? I have a little test, and you can see how well you're doing in this assignment, in this area, this arena. I have three questions for you. Question number one is, what are you currently spending for television? Write down the number. Now, if you don't have a television, it would be easy. The number would be zero. That would be easy. If you have rabbit ears and you don't pay, still easy, zero. If you have cable or satellite or something like that, just put down the number. And by the way, if you say, I don't know what I'm paying, what I would say to you is you probably have some issues with money if you don't know what you're paying because you should know what you're paying. I'm not saying it's about the money, but I'm saying you should know where it goes. The man says, oh, I have this money coming in. I don't know where it all goes. Oh, beautiful. We'd love to have you run the whole company. You don't know where it all goes. Perfect. The person who can handle a little bit, you know, a lot more will be given them. Think about that. But what are you paying for television? Write it down. Secondarily, what are you paying for your cell phone? Ow. Little shot. Write it down. If you don't have one, easy zero. If you've got one, you go, well, you know. Huh. See, just a small box, little number, just a little, just put it down. And the last but not least is the one I, I need to explain for a moment before you write the number, is what I call entertainment. Now, when I say entertainment, I don't mean you entertaining people in your home. I don't mean you going out to dinner with people. I mean you entertaining yourself. That's when you go to the restaurant because you don't want to cook. That's when you stop by Starbucks because you just want to have a little coffee in the afternoon. That's when you go to the movie, maybe with your husband or your wife or your lover or a person like that. You go your own entertainment. You see what I'm saying? Approximately on a monthly basis, what would you imagine you're spending to entertain yourself? Write it down. And then as soon as you have the three down, total them up. Then let me ask you this question. Right next to it, I would like for you to put down a little line. And on that line, I would like for you to put the number that you are spending on average, your budget for your own growth and personal development. And I don't mean what you think it might be a good idea to invest. I mean what you are currently investing on an ongoing, regular basis. The money you have budgeted to attract the people into your life that are a reflection of you. And by the way, if you have down there a zero, that's okay for today because what I learned a long time ago by one of my mentors is where you are is not important. Here's what is important, the direction you're headed. So if today the number is zero, but this afternoon the number is changed, that's okay because that's the direction that you're headed. But here's what I can say predictably to this group. I can say this to you again as a group. I can't say this to anyone here individually because I don't know you individually. But collectively, here's what I can say. To the degree that those two numbers are out of balance, to the degree that you are spending more money on your own television, cell phone, and entertainment than you are on what's going on inside your head is to the same degree that you are not satisfied with what's happening in your business or in your life. And I say in your life, please hear that point. 
You say, well, my business may be going along great. Fantastic. How's the relationship with your significant other? How's the relationship with your children? How do you feel about your spiritual connection? How do you feel about your health? How do you feel about the ability to know what to do when they put 11 forks down and there's 15 pieces of china and you really, the people are coming in the white gloves and you've been invited to this extraordinary place for dinner? I mean, what do you do? Do you know what to do? How do you feel? And if the numbers are ridiculously off-center, odds are good you're probably not happy with your life. And so here's what I would suggest. Like you've got a budget for everything else. You've got a budget for rent, a budget for car. You've got a budget for electricity. You've got a budget for these things. If any of what I've shared with you today makes sense, you need to have a budget for your own personal growth and development. You've got to have a budget, and it doesn't need to be huge. I'll tell you what mine is. It's not very large. I spend on average $500 a month for my own personal growth and development. Every time when I do the taxes at the end of the year, it's about $6,000. That's about what I spend, about $6,000. And $6,000 has served me pretty well. What about you? How much are you spending in your own personal growth and development? The books you read, the tapes you acquire, and the classes that you take. How are you doing in that capacity or regard? Write it down. Now, if you would like to make a shift in a couple of these areas. Let me make a suggestion to you. There is a page in here that has a flyer on some of the materials that I have put together. The little book is the very first one called The Fifth Principle. You see that in the upper left-hand corner. The second one down here is called Your Prospecting Toolbox. I designed that to teach you how to effortlessly create two prospects every day in your own backyard without doing any advertising. There's a special CD in that set that will remove the fear of talking to people forever. But it will take about 30 days for the Toma to kick in. If you are a little bit afraid of talking to people or have people on your team that are, this is an absolute must because, again, when we know what to do but we still have fear, we don't tend to do it. When we know what to do and the fear goes away, we have a higher probability of doing that. The simple art of duplication, I think the name speaks for itself. Uh, most of us know how to build a business that works. Translation, we can find them, we can sponsor them, then they quit. We can find them, we can sponsor them, then they quit. We can find them, we can sponsor them, then we quit. What we're looking to do is find them, sponsor them, and help them do the same. So if you want to know what the shifts are, listen to the simple art of duplication. I touched on number four a little bit. It's my favorite in the package. It's entitled Thinking Your Way to Success that traces personal development back over 2,700 years to its origin and shows you how it's come up through the ages and how really what we think about we manifest on the, on the material plane. And then there's a couple of really cool CDs in there that are for enhanced learning. 28 days to the new, your new future is number five. That's the first month in the business. You think, well, I've been around longer. I probably don't need that. It depends on how you feel you're doing. This business is not about what works as much as it is can you teach what works. And if you have a system that you can teach, then other people can follow it. You will do well because they will do well. Second month is mastering the fundamentals. We're going to teach you how to prospect, present, duplicate, and begin leading. And then the third and final set, of course, in that series is the secret to developing leaders. Here's what you need to address. You have to ask yourself a very interesting question. If I had the, the opportunity to spend 18 hours with Michael, based on what I've just learned, would that serve me well? And if the answer is yes, come see me in the back of the room. If the answer is I got enough to start with, that's okay. Come see me later.
And I hope, I hope that you understand what we've shared. I hope that you'll appreciate that no matter how much I've touched you or shared or given you information, you've got to go to work on the repetitions. I hope if this is valuable, you'll come to the back of the room and walk away with a package of material and start putting those in the washroom in the morning, listening to me when you get up every single day until you can think about and have and become the person that is important to you. So grab onto the information, take it, apply it into your life, and let's go out and create something magnificent.